Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. This show is designed to help small business owners, salespeople, and aspiring entrepreneurs master every aspect of business success. We've got a great lineup of guests and topics scheduled for you. We'll be talking about everything from sales to employee issues, from technology to social media, from work-life balance to exploring uncharted territory. Participation is welcome and encouraged. Your host, Diane Helbig, is a world-class author, speaker, and business development coach. Be sure to check out her latest book, Lemonade Stand Selling, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And now, on with the show. Well, hello, everybody. Um, here in Cleveland, it is afternoon, and it's a little rainy. Uh, I understand it's a little rainy in a lot of places, so hopefully you're staying dry and enjoying the day. As we said, we do uh, welcome your participation. If you are in the chat room and there's something that you'd like to share, you can type it in and I will share it with our guest. If you're on the phone, you can press 1 and that will let me know that you have something to share as well. Today's show is sponsored by by Empower Excellence. How can you improve the productivity of your company? Help your employees increase your company's productivity by reducing their financial stress. Financial stress is a leading cause of many physical ailments, but it is also a cause of reduced employee productivity. Empower Excellence of Westlake, Ohio, helps your company improve the financial wellness of your employees and your business. This can be a win-win situation. Talk to Jan Litterist at Empower Excellence, www.empowerexcellencewithjan.com. My guest today is Jeremy Goldman. Jeremy is a social media executive, entrepreneur, and strategist. For over a decade, he's worked with companies looking to expand their business online by leveraging the power of Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, YouTube, Google+, Foursquare, and other social platforms. Both as a consultant and on staff within the beauty industry, He's been responsible for developing and implementing Internet-based marketing strategies for numerous companies while simultaneously handling direct social media engagement with their customers. Often, he's also been in charge of managing the brand's e-commerce presence, online PR, and customer service as well. Jeremy is currently AVP of Interactive and Communications for Illuminage, Inc., a Unilever subsidiary launching in 2013, marking the multinational's first foray into luxury personal care. He was previously Director of Digital Marketing for Temp2, Director of Global E-Commerce and New Media for, I hope I'm saying this right, Kyle's, and Senior Global Marketing Manager Interactive for Jurlique. He also launched and ran a successful online direct marketing agency, WJER Consulting, serving clients in fields from fashion apparel to industrial products. He is also the author of Going Social. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. It's so great to be with you. Thanks so much. Well, it is great to have you here. I love your book. Love it. Just Oh, my God. Thank you so much for saying that. I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting to me because 
just the the amount of success that it's had because it was all unplanned. I, you know, started it just based off of the fact that I had a lot of people coming to me, a lot of friends and contacts asking me questions, and they figured, let me put this together in in a book, and maybe I'll release it myself. And then when I teamed up with Amicom to release it wider, I mean, the the feedback has just been so wonderful to hear, so thank you. It's really, you know, when you say how it is that you ended up writing it, I can see that because it is so informational. It's one of the things that I love about it. I was underlining things and highlighting things, and I love that kind of a book where I can, where it makes sense to me and I can take it and I can implement it. And especially with social media these days, there's so many different people saying different things. I, I thought what you had to say was spot on, so... Well, then that's great. I mean, and and that means a lot to me because that's actually the way that I tried to write it was yeah. to think, well, what is going to resonate with people? What's going to actually be actionable? And then also because it's such a fast uh, evolving space, what are some of the things that I write now that are still going to be useful, you know, three months, <laughs> six months later when people read it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I highly recommend it. So, um we will. I'll be putting up links at the end of the show for you know how people can get a hold of it. So I want to dive right into the social media. This is such a big topic, and I want to dive right into it because, as you said, it is evolving, and I think some people uh, maybe shy away from it because it, it's like trying to catch the merry-go-round as it's going around. Um, so. Is it your opinion that every business needs to have a social media presence? It may sound like a silly question, but curious. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that so obviously every is a is a pretty big word, but I think that uh, the ones that shouldn't have some type of presence are very few and far uh, between. I mean, I think it's kind of like the same thing about having a static website in the year. 2001, 2002, um, you, it was kind of hard to find a business that couldn't benefit from that in one way or another. And, you know, I have companies come to me and say, well, you know, our business isn't necessarily set up to go viral. And I say, well, is that necessarily your goal? You don't have to go viral. That's a dated term anyway. Uh, right. You have to be able to speak to your customers and prospects and build affinity for your brand and for almost every brand, uh, that's a huge uh, opportunity to, to do that using social media. Okay, so how does a company get started? You, you talk about the importance of like rethinking your entire business strategy and, and how social media plays a role. So how would you suggest that a company get started with the whole idea? Yeah, I mean, that's actually something that uh, a lot of people ask me about because I've been going social specifically why don't we, uh, you know, rethink everything when we uh, launch a business on social media? I mean, because it's it, it, it's something that I see all too often where companies, what they do is they just say, well, we have to be on Facebook. Let's just be on Facebook. And yeah. it's, it's really, it's a great opportunity if you're going to be live on social media and, and participating and creating conversations. You have a great opportunity to think, well, what are my objectives, right? Because your objectives tie into your overall business plan. And sometimes it's a great opportunity. You've got a, uh, companies that have been so focused on just, you know, surviving the 9-to-5 or the 9-to-7 grind 
that uh, they don't even realize, well, you know, we're kind of actually straying a little bit from our mission and what our actual objectives are as an organization. Um, so I think really that's what you do is you think you, you almost kind of rewrite an executive level business plan, just a few pages as to what are the objectives of our business? Where are we looking to go? Who are we? Um, and then you embed that into your social media plan. So you kind of take a step back in order to go forward. I really like that a lot. I think um, I do a lot of social media trainings, and people have been told, like everyone is told that they should be on Facebook, but that isn't necessarily true. So I love what you're saying about take a step back, really look at what it is you want to accomplish, and make decisions based on which tools are the best for you to use. You don't necessarily do what everyone else is doing if it's not playing to your audience. Yeah, you know, and that's actually one thing that just it goes even beyond social media, but I think that most uh, companies do wrong or could do better, I should say, is that when they look at it from a competitive uh, intelligence standpoint, they look, um, whether it's social media or developing print collateral or websites, whatever it is, people look at their competitors and they assume that their competitor is doing everything right for the most part. They say, we need to copy this, we need to copy that. And you might be a B2B company uh, without uh, that great visuals, and you're going to go on Pinterest because your competitor is on Pinterest. That's not necessarily where you should be. So you actually have to be thinking a lot about, you know, looking looking at com- competitors and drawing inspiration, but then building an independent plan and being a little bit cautious about uh, aping what everybody's doing because you can ape what somebody else does and, and incrementally be slightly better than them, uh, or you could, you know, think of a completely fresh idea using social media to really go leaps and bounds, uh, you know, past the competition. Yeah, that's a great point. So let's talk about um, types of content and customer engagement because we hear all the time that it's all about content now and content is king. I'm imagining, though, there are different kinds of content that serve different purposes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that you see this a lot more now with uh, the the move towards video because there was first a move towards photography, which is still big, obviously, and then video, and those are different uh, pieces of content. There's also long-form content. You know, if you want to have a uh, blog that it's kind of part of the sales funnel, so you get people from your Twitter or Facebook to your blog, which then uh, nets you some leads. I mean, that's long-form content, uh, essays and, you know, deeper thoughts. But there's also kind of in, in the middle, you've got uh, on Tumblr, you can have a fully fleshed out thought, uh, a paragraph, uh, you know, accompanied by a photo. You can do that. And on Twitter or Facebook, you have kind of micro content. So there are a lot of people now who have jobs, micro content producers, because they literally focus on the snack bite-sized pieces uh, that are going to keep uh, customers coming back for more and the little bits and pieces of content. So you can really define content very broadly. I know it's one of those words now that some people are getting sick of because there's just so much use of it, but that's because it it covers so many different types of things that you can, or assets that you can introduce to your social media conversation. And Okay, so and how does it translate into dollars? Because I think that's the big question people are thinking, what's it going to get me? 
You know, that's actually it's one of the top questions that uh, that I get too. I mean, I'm I'm sure we're both in the same boat when we hear that. We have to explain to people that it's um, it's not a matter of you know necessarily immediately netting a dollar. Uh, it's a matter of sometimes building an affinity for the brand uh, and just getting people to like you better, which yeah. makes it more likely when they do want to later on uh, make a purchase, uh, then then you're going to benefit from that. And that's the hard thing about all of this is sometimes it's hard to quantify. But what I say is the brands that are succeeding in this area are the brands that are doing interesting, engaging things that are still on message. Because I do see some brands that have horrible content and nothing, it, it doesn't translate into sales because of that. And then I see people who are kind of pandering in the sense that they try to think, what's going to be popular and they don't tie it back to their mission or what their brand objectives are, and then that's not successful either. So you really have to strike the right balance there. And I think that there are a lot of brands that don't realize you do kind of have to invest in this. This is, I mean, can you imagine in the old days of a decade or two ago, you saying that you're not going to put any money behind your business development efforts? That's crazy, right? (laughs) Right. if, it, if it's business development, if you look at it that way, then you have to fund it. Yeah, it, it's such a great point. And, and it's so funny that I, even today, I think so many people, that, that's why I wanted to have you on the show, to, to help people understand the value of social media marketing, that, that all these different ways that you can engage with your client base and with your prospect base. And when it comes to the ROI, uh, it, for me, it's like um, it's a timing thing. You know, you need to be top of mind when your prospect has a need or when they're ready to buy. Oh, my God, you're completely right about that. You have to be in the mind of the consumer when they're ready to make a purchase. And the way that they think of you is because uh, they you, you just you touch them in a number of different ways. So uh, if you have a billboard, out there and people drive past it, you're hitting them a few times with that billboard, maybe they see a print ad, and then they see social media, and it kind of all comes together, and yeah. it keeps reminding somebody that you're there and that you're somebody that they want to do business with. So that's that's uh, spot on. And it's interesting because I, I, I you, know, you mentioned social media marketing, which obviously as a phrase is pretty big right now. But yeah. I actually think that some of the biggest value, social media will mature in a way when people stop calling it social media because people will just realize this is just how you market to people now. I mean, you yeah. know where they are. You know where, what their interests are. So why wouldn't you just happen to market to them at where they are? It doesn't mean necessarily the term social media uh, because it's just going to become marketing. I think that is such a great point. It's funny. As you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, back in the day, we only had certain vehicles that we could use to market. We had print advertising, uh, media, uh, TV, radio, billboards, direct mail. This is just one more avenue for getting in front of your prospects and clients where they are. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a lot more targeted. So I think one of the big things that people – uh, get frustrated by is they say, well, this billboard has the potential to reach half a million people based off of its placement. So it could be half a million impre- uh, impressions 
Um, and they say then with social media, well, if I'm going to market on my page, I only have, let's say, 5,000, 10,000 likes on that page. So how many people can I really reach? But it's not just about the total potential impressions. It's who, uh, who, who is your message going to resonate with? If you build a very strong page, these are all people who have some degree of affinity for you. So your odds of converting them in one way or another into a sale is a lot higher uh, than when, you, when it comes to a billboard. That's the thing is you have less, you're generally working with social media with less numbers, but they're much more receptive to your message, and you have to really be thinking about that. Oh, that is such a great point. Because people are just clamoring for the numbers, but if it's just anybody, it, it doesn't really mean anything. For me, it's like cold calling. When you're just dialing for dollars, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. When you research who your target market is and what a what a an ideal client looks like, and then you go after those people, it makes more sense. You have something to talk to them about. That there's a point to the conversation. Oh, exactly. It's a lot more targeted. And actually, so it's interesting. Even I know we were talking about trying to uh, have a conversation for a while. And uh, so, one update in, ter- in terms of uh, my life is actually I realized a lot of these lessons could be more valuable to um, people if I moved off of the brand side, off of the launching luxury Unilever. So I started a company even just now, so a bit of an update uh, called Firebrand Group. And uh, what we've been doing basically is taking these messages to uh, businesses and telling them really, even if you're um, D2B, so business to business, I think a lot of uh, people don't realize that social media can be a perfect fit uh, even for B2B services. It doesn't always have to be business to consumer. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of of people who kind of think that, well, I can't get 10,000 likes on the page because what I do is very niche, but that's okay. It's not about getting the big numbers. It's about getting the right numbers. So let's talk about that. Um, what really is the value of a Facebook like? It, it, you know, it, it, I'm go sorry, ahead. go on. No, go ahead. Well, so, yeah, it's, I, I always pounce on this question, so I just got very excited. I mean, I think that a like is interesting because if you do a good job, the way that I think about it, what's the value of a like? It's like, well, what's the value of an email lead or what's the value of some, somebody coming into your store? So if you have a retail store, okay, and you're on, let's say, uh, you know, a premium uh spot on on a corner so everybody can see your business and you sell let's say hardware and you're giving people uh, a free beer for entering okay what's the value of getting somebody into the store well i would say the value isn't all that high because you're giving something that has nothing to do necessarily with your brand or what you're doing and you're just getting people in there and i kind of use that analogy for what's the value of facebook like because it does depend on what you're doing to get it. So I know companies that, uh, that what they do is they have Facebook advertising, uh, and it's tied to likes. So the job is to really generate likes uh, for their business. And, you know, for better or for worse, when they do that, uh, they don't think about exactly who they're trying to reach. 
they try to reach a very broad audience and they're not necessarily receptive. Now, likewise, I know some businesses, and actually I work with a few, who have very targeted Facebook likes. So they're actually paying a little, little bit more for these likes to this lead generation, but they're very, very targeted. They've got the exact right demographics. Uh, they focus on exactly the right location and the precise interest that uh, that these people have. So, so a lot of it is tied to the Facebook like is as valuable as it is, uh, you know, basically it has to be tied to does somebody have affinity for your brand and are they likely to recommend or purchase from you? Got it. That's okay. All right. I think that's a that's a great point, and I appreciate you um, explaining it because people really they, they I talk to a lot of small business owners who just bemoan that they don't have very many Facebook likes, and you stop and you think, okay, well, wait a minute, is that even where your audience is, and what are you talking about? You know, what, yeah, and, what is and, the conversation? Exactly. You know, I think that it's actually it's interesting because. I, I've noticed particularly with business-to-business companies with Facebook likes, yeah. uh, it becomes a little almost embarrassing even if they're doing well. And I'll give you an example, actually. I think Firebrand Group, so, you know, my new company, we have about 300 Facebook likes, I think, right now. We only started actively marketing the company on social media because we've been so busy with clients and we haven't really uh, until recently picked up uh, or been trying to pick up any new leads. So we've just been working with people through referrals. So we've got 300 leads, okay? So it, it, it shouldn't be embarrassing to have 300 because if we convert 10% of those leads yeah. uh, into clients, then we're set for a year or two years. So right. you really have to think about it, it, it shouldn't be a popularity contest like high school where the job or where your goal is to get the most number of likes. Will that sometimes be important if you're trying to get investors for a startup or something like that? Yeah, but you have to try, still try to get genuine likes because there are services where you can buy, you know, fake likes, fake Twitter followers. Generally, that backfires. Generally, people who know enough in the business, uh, you know, will call you out on that. So it's not just about likes. It really is about actually, you know, engagement and making sure that you're taking care of the people who you do have. So let's talk some more about engagement because um, it feels to me like you get the genuine followers and likes when you're participating in in, – relevant engaging conversations with your contacts. So Yeah. Okay, exactly. so can you talk some about how a brand can do that? I mean, if there's people listening saying, "Okay, but what exactly does that look like? What does that mean? How can I direct that conversation?" Right. So, I mean, especially when you're marketing, you're trying to direct it in an interesting, compelling way. Uh, And I think part of that is finding content and thinking of of conversations and brainstorming what's going to be interesting to your prospects and your consumers. So uh, I think that one of the key ways to do that is to actually devote time towards thinking ahead about what these conversations are going to look like. Uh, And a perfect example is you think about uh, for your uh, whatever you're selling. So if you have a hardware store, okay, and you sell a lot of um, wood and hammers because people are doing construction projects, 
uh, and you think about, well, what are the products that are moving best, okay, and ask people uh, what lines of uh, hammers and other supplies. You can tell I'm not happy around the house. I don't know what <laughs> anything other than a hammer is. But, um, like, for any for any of those things, you ask people, well, what are your, what are your favorite brands? Uh, vote for your favorite brand that we're going to feature it in the window um, next month, okay? And that's compelling, and now you've engaged them and made them part of your marketing, and this is something that they care about, clearly. You know, so likewise, there's um, one one um, customer of uh, ours that we just started working with where uh, soliciting product testimonials uh, from them. We're basically saying every week we're going to feature a product on social uh, that's going to be directly from a, a customer. And whatever they say, we're going to post it next to the product and, you know, tell us what you like. And it's not edited at all. We're not, we're letting them kind of lead the conversation in that way. We're, we're thinking of the topic, but then the theme for all of these different days is let's post uh, something that the customers actually care about. It doesn't matter if it's not the top selling product uh, at all. It's all about what our customers interested in. And then when they're featured by one of their favorite retailers, they're more likely to share it to their feeds and people are more likely to dis- uh, discover the, um, the brand. Interesting. I like that a lot because it's it's interesting. It really is pulling the clients into the conversation and asking them to share. It's not telling them something. It's getting them to really to give you information and to share it with everyone else. And I'm not sure people realize that when they do that, they're sharing you with everyone they're connected to. Yeah, you know, and by the way, this is actually it's a great Point, not not even just for end consumers, you know, the typical customer, but it's also a great point when, when you go into the realm of influencers uh, and you think about bloggers, if you think about other tastemakers, you might want to get involved uh, with your brand. Uh, if they can become part of the story, if they get featured on your blog, let's say, because they love your product and you work out a blog story around them, and then they have 80,000 Twitter followers and then they syndicate that content to all of their followers, uh, then it's a great lead generation tool because everybody wins. You're just creating a conversation that people really like. And actually, one more to that point, I'll tell you one thing that I did just for my own personal branding that I think worked pretty well is uh, at the start of 2013, I decided let me feature some of the top personalities that you should follow and listen to and learn from in 2013. So I wrote these little pieces about them and where to find them online uh, and and why they were great people worth following. I posted this, and each one of those people shared it out to their uh, networks, or maybe six out of seven, something like that. And nice. these people had followings of 40,000, 150,000, got a lot of people reading my stuff. And then I asked each one of these people, who are two other people, interesting people to, to follow that you recommend? And then I featured those people. And then these contacts uh, became my contacts and became part of a larger story and all started sharing out these uh, top personalities to follow in 2013. That is such a great idea. Wow. Okay. See? Uh, it, it's, I think... It, it, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I think it's sort of endless what you can do with it. 
Now, what were you just going to say? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, exactly. I was, you know, I was going to say, and I think I don't say this enough, uh, so this is kind of like a new thought here. I think it's all about win-wins. You know, if you, yeah. and this is a bigger point about business in general, if you can find a way to help somebody that helps you too, why not? And and I think that that's just the way that I conduct business in general, is let's just try to find a way to help one another. Uh, you find potential partners that you think are great, well, by all means, promote them, and they will, if they're a good partner, they're going to promote you right back. So I yeah. think that social media is really uh, great for that. I think that if you can give people accolades and they're, you know, good people, good contacts, they're just going to do it back to you. So I don't even think about paying it forward. I think of, uh, of paying it in a boomerang fashion. You help uh, other if your brand helps others, they will help you back. Yeah, it's so true. And and social. <laughs> I'm going to call it social media until we come up with a better word. But but this whole engagement with social media, for me, really feels like giving first. You know, I think that's a beautiful good point. quality content. Yeah, you know, I think that that's a beautiful point, is that you're really thinking about how you add value to people's lives. And I think that it's 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 tough, but... I mean, ultimately, you have to be thinking, is there a point to what you're saying? Are you helping people out? I mean, every now and then you can talk about yourself, but I think I maybe have this analogy of going social where, you know, if you're going to go to a party and you, the first thing you do when you show up is you just yammer on and on about here's how great I am and this is all, all everything that I've done, all the great things that I've done, and you never ask anybody any questions, would they like you? Yeah, and the answer is no, right? <laughs> right? I mean, and, and and there wasn't a mechanism so much before uh, before social media for brands to listen and then brands to respond, and that's why so much of customer service is moving online. I mean, the brands that have been receptive to their customers have always done well. It's just become so much more important because now customers have the tools uh, to really engage back and to really say what they want uh, from brands. I mean, in decades past, it was still very important if you had a complaint box or if you had a head of customer service who got a call, you know, that uh, that feedback that was uh, given to the customer service department still had to get into the organization and add some value back. I mean, brands didn't do well if they didn't respond to to feedback, and it's just become so much more important because now consumers have the means to to do it. Boy, that is such a great point. I I have people say to me, okay, but what about if you let people comment and you put it out there and you get negative comments, and I say to them, right, you want the negative comments because they're saying it behind your back. You'd rather have them say it in a platform where you can address it and you can show people your level of customer service and caring about providing a good experience, and you can t- totally turn those things around if you can confront it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, if one person says it, I like to say that maybe 10 to 20 people are thinking it. So if you right. address it, if you address it, then you're solving a problem for a lot of people versus letting it permeate and fester. And actually... Um, you know, when you think about Yelp, a lot of people, for some reason, they don't include Yelp in the social media conversation, but it should be. I mean, when you think about uh, 
Yelp, I have uh, one uh, brand that we were working with. Uh, this one's also a retailer. They had some negative Yelp reviews, and they were saying, how do we get our score up on Yelp? And the answer wasn't as much how you get the score uh, up and the average review and gamify it. The more important thing is to listen to your customers and figure out why are you getting these low reviews? Right. How do we address those? Um, that's really more of the challenge, and that's what has to be addressed before you even figure out, well, how do we get the average review up, which is also important, but you have to look at the underlying problem. Exactly. That is exactly right. So I want to take a quick um, break here and remind my listeners that today's show is sponsored by Empower Excellence. Empower Excellence helps your company improve the financial wellness of your employees and your business. Talk to Jan Luris at Empower Excellence. You can reach her at 440-263-6176 or www.empowerexcellencewithjan.com. And if you would like to participate in today's show and you are in the chat room, you can type something in and I'll share it with our guests. If you're on the phone, you can press 1 and that will do this. We'll unmute you so you can share. Our guest today is Jeremy Goldman and we are talking about social media and the value that it has in your business, and um, let's talk about I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> I don't know. Right.